You may be familiar with this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'd like to speak tonight on the subject, the gift. God bless you. Please be seated. I know this is shocking news to you, but it is Christmas time. And uh, giving and receiving gifts is on the minds of many people, perhaps not everyone. Americans generally are to be applauded for their generosity. Uh, for many years, America was considered the most generous country in the world. And if you go back over a decade or more, we are. Interestingly, Indonesia and Kenya may be more generous than the United States currently. 40% of the people in the world took part in some type of charitable giving. According to Charities Aid Foundation, 1.3 million people in 125 countries uh, gave generously. Billion, I would say, not 1.3 million. I'm reading a stat. Um, but the donations, interestingly, through COVID, they went up. People became more generous. Maybe they were spending their, uh, the money that they received from the government and giving it away. Uh, but when you look at America as a land, people like you and me that live in our country, nearly 60% of Americans gave some type of a donation last year. The average donation, about $574. And you can read lots of sites and sources, and I, I did to try to cross-reference uh, what I'm saying. 28% of the giving went to religious causes, which is the greatest recipient of the generosity. Uh, Americans gave, this is kind of a shocking statistic to all of us who grew up paying tithes uh, from an early you know, teenager. Americans gave 1.7% of their personal disposable income to charity in 2022. That's actually the lowest level since 1995. Uh, the portion given to charity in the late 90s and early 2000 would have been more like 2.4%. So giving to charities percentage-wise is actually down. But then uh, one of the interesting statistics was the giving of time. Uh, one source said 30% of Americans. Another said 42% of Americans uh, give of their time. 77.9 million Americans volunteered. This is back in 2019, the most current statistic that I could find. They estimated that it was 5.8 billion hours valued at approximately $147 billion that Americans gave in time and charities are helping other people. I was trying to calculate uh, quickly what our, our church would give in volunteer time. If you say 325 volunteers, the last time we charted this, about five hours a week, 52 weeks a year, about $1.6 million given in time, at least by the people that serve in ministries in our church. I know there's a lot of bad people in the world, and the news sells because of bad news and bad people. But I just want to take a little bit of time tonight to say that there's a lot of generous people in our church, in our community, in our country, 
and around the world. We were made in the image of God and God is the greatest gift giver of all. We express our love by giving God so love that he gave. We express our love through compassionate giving of our time to other people. And we have confidence in the principles of God's word that when we give, it will be given unto us. I don't know that you could prove this, but it seems that the idea of giving gifts at Christmas time came from the wise men who brought their expensive, extravagant gifts to Jesus Christ. And you might say, of course, they could afford it, but they gave out of their abundance. Uh, now, we know that gift giving can get out of control. Sometimes people can feel compelled to give out of an expectation to give that if they don't give, they're going to be perceived as not caring or not loving. So in America, the National Retail Federation says that in 2023, and this is by various polls, and this numbers will vary some depending on who you read, but holiday spending in 2023 is going to grow by between 3 and 4% over 2022 to $957.3 billion, almost a trillion dollars. The Gallup poll says that an average American will spend $975. This was taken in November. It actually increased over the same poll taken in October. We're going to give about, spend, rather spend, about $100 more uh, than last year. And it's kind of gone up. 88% of adults indicate that they're going to do some type of shopping. And this is not part of my sermon, but as you know, it's amazing how much online purchasing and giving has increased over the last few years. That's a stunning thing in itself. But then there's a little downside about this. This is not part of my, the heart of my message, but it's a good time to say this. It's probably too late, but holidays are perilous times for credit card holders and people that carry credit card debt, especially America faces a crushing credit card burden of over $1 trillion as of the end of September, 2023. The average card rate is now escalated to about 21%, the highest in 25 years of the Fed tracking it. Now that the holidays are here, Thanksgiving kind of fires that first shot with Black Friday when some retailers will get in the black financially by their profit for the first time all year long. But they, there's a lot of people, 38% of people that responded in a survey said they plan to carry credit card debt over into January. And sometimes when we look at giving in January, we sometimes wonder if Santa Claus is getting tithing money in January, but I'm sure not from you. Speaking of generosity... I want to just take a moment to thank you for your giving to Christmas for Christ. Over $66,000 committed. I happen to go back and in 2011, uh, at the same time of the year, our commitment was $4,000 to Christmas for Christ. Since 2011, our commitment to Christmas for Christ has increased over 15 times because of your generosity and God's blessings on our church, we ought to take a moment just to thank God for that. That is a phenomenal 
expression of generosity. It would, foul, it would far outpace other giving in our church, maybe with the exception of uh, move the mission, you know, the old chiefs or Christ. But when I've taught about generosity and a culture of generosity, when people ask me, how does your church give so much to these missions causes? You know, do you have a few rich people or how does this happen? I always tell them it is a culture of generosity, that there's never pressure. There's never an expectation. People don't know what other people give. So the person who gives the widow's might is in the same boat as the person who casts in of their abundance. But I believe, and I've taught on this in the past, that I don't think God is looking at how much we give as how much is left over after we give. If you think about it, Jesus was a little nosy when he saw people giving. You remember that? Mark chapter 12, he went over and he stood by the offering plate, the treasury, and he watched how people gave. And he saw that the rich cast in of their abundance. And then he saw that there was this little widow and she threw in two mites that make a farthing. It's almost nothing. They called the disciples over to him and said that this little widow, this poor widow has cast in more. Now it wasn't more in dollars and cents, but percentage wise of her income, of her means, it was so much more than any of the other people had given in that they had cast in unto the treasury. For they, he said, gave of their abundance, but she gave all she have, had even of her living. The rich gave, but it was fairly painless. No sacrifice, plenty more where that came from, but she gave sacrificially of her living. But the New Living Translation, I like the way it's worded here, Mark twelve forty four. For they gave, a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, wow, has given everything she had to live on. You think about that. She gave money that she needed for rent, utilities, groceries, whatever the necessities of life were. We don't know how she paid her bills after that visit to the offering plate, but I can assure you that the God who watched her give watched over her. So she was able to take care of the needs of her life. It's an amazing story in the Bible about how God sees giving. So whether you give Christmas gifts or not is really not the point. But if you are a giver, you are like God, for God so loved the world that he gave. And love will always be demonstrated in some type of giving. And true love, deep love, will be demonstrated in sacrificial giving. And I'm not teaching on giving money tonight. I'm not going to receive an offering. I'm not going to underscore year in giving. That is not the point of my message at all. But I would like to say to anyone who just is stingy and a Scrooge type person, that's favorite word is humbug, not hallelujah, <clears throat> uh, that you're not like God if you're not a generous soul. Amen. Generosity is a part of the nature of God. It is part of our human nature. As I said at the beginning, really explained by the giving of people in our country, even as we see the decline of church attendance and mainline denominations and the moral decline of our country, there's a lot of good in the heart of people. And that goodness ought to dwell in us to be generous 
as much as we can as to as many people as we can. One of the statistics I saw, and I may have skimmed by it with the numbers that I had, something like 72% of people in our country will help a stranger, someone that they do not know. That's a pretty staggering, interesting expense, uh, 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 demonstration of love in people. Now, I've learned this about giving. Uh, there have been times in my life when I gave what I didn't have. I took out a loan to make a commitment uh, for the church in Jackson to purchase the Bible college. My wife and I did. I don't believe, you know, after I paid that off to the bank, it's amazing. Back then I was fairly poor and I got that money, $1,000 on, oop, I'm sorry. I usually don't say numbers. I got $1,000 on a signature loan and I paid it off, I think in 18 months. Uh, and after that, I thought, you know, I really don't think that's God's way uh, because I don't think he would ask me to give something I don't have. But he may ask you to give all you have. Like the rich young ruler, you can ask him. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, come follow me, you'll have treasures in heaven. And sometimes God asked for a sacrifice of giving to a person, to a cause, in the Bible, to the poor saints in Jerusalem, offerings that were received and the Corinthians who said they would give, but a year later, they hadn't given a dime. They pledged, but they never pulled the trigger on giving that offering. So sometimes God asks you to give until it hurts, until it's sacrificial. And when he does, if you'll obey him, like the widow, you'd have to think that she gave of her living, that God blessed her and took care of her. And I say that based on principle, not because I know the rest of the story. Now, your love language may be giving and receiving gifts. One of my very close friends, Brother Bruce Howe, anytime he's come to preach here, he comes bearing gifts. He's got all kinds of stuff in his suitcase. He brings it in the office, and he's giving gifts to everybody. That's just what he does. That's his, his way to give. But I know that, that you cannot buy love. You cannot purchase the love of people by just buying them off with gifts. You know how it is with little kids. You can give them a really expensive gift or whatever you can afford at Christmas time. And if they're little, they're probably going to open the box, look at the toy and play with the box. Sometimes it is the thought that counts. Now, the wise men taught us that their times at giving should be generous and extravagant gold frankincense and myrrh were all precious imports from the East in that culture. And they gave extravagant gifts. So I was thinking about extravagant and it's probably, you know, based on your personal economy, what you're able to give. Sometimes the gifts that have touched my heart the most have been when they came from people that I had almost no means at all. Uh, they had no means at all. And I didn't want to take it. And I felt terrible because I knew they probably couldn't afford to give what they did. But in case God has really blessed you, and in case you want to be extravagant this year, I wanted to point you to the Neiman Marcus online catalog. <laughs> this is probably for, I just feel like this may be for someone here tonight. You know how we say that. 
Neiman Marcus, they sell high-end merchandise and they have impeccable customer service and they produce a unique catalog. And it's been a while since I've looked at that catalog. I've, I've done it before kind of for fun, you know. But 2023, you can buy some fantasy gifts. The first, I only want to tell you about three. There's more than three. It is a Disney animation experience. Fairy tale magic. You can go there to the studios in Anaheim, California. You will become a Disney character in their movie. You're going to get free stuff. And all of this will only cost you $510,000. Half a million dollars. And you can be the star you've always wanted to be. Now, I really feel like this may be for me because while I was reading this ad, I kept getting a pop-up notification that said, get 15% off. <laughs> I thought maybe God is speaking to me. <laughs> but it was Disney, so I said no. <clears throat> if that's too much for you, you can go to the Olympic Games in 2024 in Paris, France, and you can go with the Ralph Lauren team, Team USA. All your travel to Paris, accommodations in a luxury Parisian hotel, signature clothing from Ralph Lauren, exclusive meals, VIP treatment at the Olympics, and the cost is a bargain compared to Disney. This can be yours for $210,000, and if you'll go home right after church, not during church, and click the link, you may get 15% off, which would be an incredible Christmas savings for you. But if you're thinking more in the price range of the Disney, then for those of you who are adventurous, this kind of had a little bit of an appeal for me till I saw the price. There's a yachting treasure hunt in Indonesia with Polaris. It's a nine-day adventure to the mystical islands of Indonesia. A yachting pleasure treasure hunt with Polaris yachting. Now, just so you're worried about the price, you can take five people with you. It's nine days. You're going to fly into Bali, spend the night in a luxurious five-star hotel. You're going to get aboard a 137-foot sailing yacht you're going to spend the next few days uh, all kind of treatments, kayaking, diving, uh, coral reefs, local communities and traditions, a candlelight dinner. That's worth a lot, right, by itself. Candles cost so much money. Anyway, then you're going to go on a treasure hunt for the next two days. There's going to be clues, and you're going to go among the 17,000 islands. You're going to hike, explore, scuba dive. And then the final clue is going to get it. You're going to get a $150,000 voucher back. Now, that ought to tell you something about the, what the price is going to be. You're going to get, just think about this. They're going to give you $150,000, and that's with the 15% off. You got to think about this. You get this discovery. You're going to have a party on the beach, then another night in a hotel, and all of this can be yours for $485,000. But you've got to subtract the 15% and the $150,000. When I read about that, like who in the world? 
Who in the world would spend a half a million dollars on something like that or a quarter of a million dollars on anything like that? And, you know, that's not worth it. You can buy the yacht, right? Not really, but uh, that way be more than that. But I've wondered before, and I've thought about this a lot through the years, what is the real value of a gift or of something you buy? And I read one time that the value of anything is what someone's willing to pay for it. Now, I bought these reading glasses for maybe like three bucks. I don't know. I buy them in a pack because I break them so often. But if you really like them, tonight I will make you a deal. I will sign them. And if you're willing to pay $100, because I need them, not right now, but I'll give them to you for $100. You say, that, they're not worth $100. Well, maybe not to you, but someone couldn't see, and that was their only option, then maybe, maybe they'd be worth $100 to that person. So, you know, the trip to Disney or the trip to Paris or the trip to Indonesia, you know, it's really just what you're willing to pay and what it's worth to you. The value of anything. Now, I know some things have more expensive parts. The, the raw ingredients are more the components. The labor costs are more and gold costs more than stainless steel for some reason. And a painting by Picasso is worth a lot more than a painting by you, or at least by me. I'm terrible. I'm not an artist. But it's whatever you're willing to pay. That's, that's the value of any given thing. And the reason a vehicle sells for what it does is because people are willing to pay that amount of money. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody tell you, I just bought this for so much money and it's something that you don't even care about at all. And you thought to yourself, you paid that much money for that? Because in your value system, that's just not worth that much to you. Even if you have the money, it's just not worth that to you. So in some senses, you could say that beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. It's what you're willing to pay. For example, Jesus Christ was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, the cost of a common slave. God manifest in the flesh, sold for 30 pieces of silver. Judas could have named his price, but in Matthew 26, they agreed with him. They covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And then Judas, of course, brought the money back, threw it on the floor. He realized what a terrible thing he had done. They went out and bought a field to bury poor people in. It's a very sad story. And then the Bible says that this 30 pieces of silver was the value with which they valued Jesus Christ. They thought, you know, Judas will do this for 30 pieces of silver. Why offer him more? To Judas, Jesus was not worth more than that. It reminded me of the story of Hosea and Gomer Gomer was this wife who was a harlot, and God told the prophet Hosea to marry her, a woman of harlotry. He does, and they have a child, and 
and she has a second child and a third child. And the implication is maybe they were not fathered by Hosea. And then she wearies with their marriage after three children are born and she departs Hosea for other lovers and she is gone. Her life gets into a wreck. The Lord hedges her way in thorns. She pursues her lovers but cannot find them. And finally, she is now being sold on the auction block as a slave. You have Jesus Christ who was sold for 30 pieces of silver. You have Gomer who in the eyes of most people is a worthless piece of trash. Morally. And she's for sale. God says to Gomer, to Hosea, the prophet, go buy her back. Buy her back? You buy her back. So Hosea goes back. This unfaithful woman devalued herself. Now she's standing there looking at the husband she's betrayed who is bidding on her. What's she going to be worth? The Bible says that Hosea bought her for 15 pieces of silver and one and a half omers of barley, which may be equal to about 15 bushels of grain. Excuse me, about eight bushels of grain. If you add them up, commentaries say that if you put the, the barley and the silver together, it would probably be about 30 pieces of silver. I, I'm not going to try to theologically prove that tonight. But let's just say it was that. That Hosea bought her back for 30 pieces of silver. I don't know what the rate of inflation was from the days of Hosea to the days of Jesus Christ. But Hosea paid the same for his adulterous wife as the priests and scribes paid for Jesus Christ. It doesn't seem that the economy is equal, does it? Because he should be worth so much more than that. But yet God is demonstrating his love for people. And that even when we devalue ourselves and we may be worth nothing to anyone, that God is willing to pay for us, to purchase us with a price that is far above market value for who we are, for what we've done. But anyone's value is worth the price that someone is willing to pay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I know you know these verses, but let's review them. First Peter 1.18 for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Precious means rare. He had the same amount of blood as you and I do, basically. But his blood was rare blood. And here's how it was rare. As of a lamb without blemish, and without spot. If you would have looked at Gomer when Hosea purchased her, you would have said you paid way too much. It was like a vacation to Disney or 
to Paris or it's like that treasure hunt. Nothing. It's not worth that much at all. But in the eyes of God, you and I were worth the price of his blood. First Corinthians 619. But know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, that you have of God and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. I started thinking about how many times the word gift, gift of God, gift of salvation is used in the Bible. Follow me just a little bit. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What price? If you compare the purchase price of Jesus from Judas, Hosea's unfaithful wife, Gomer, they should have not been sold for the same amount of money. But I've learned that some people, they devalue themselves. They feel like they're worth nothing. They come into this church on Sundays lost in sin. And sometimes we come to church on Wednesdays redeemed by the blood, but feeling worthless. And I want to assure you tonight that the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation was purchased at a high price. Because God Almighty believed that we were worth the sacrifice of his blood on the cross. And he gave it to us as a gift. We know that we cannot purchase salvation. We can never get good enough to get God. There's nothing we could ever do to make God love us. We cannot buy his love. But while we were dead in sins, he loved us. And he was willing to pay the price for our sins. Amen. Why we were yet sinners, Romans says. Scarcely for a righteous man, one would die peradventure. For a good man, someone even dared to die. But God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John three sixteen may be the most known verse in the New Testament. Probably more people are familiar with the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. But if you took a poll, if anybody knows anything about the Bible, if they know any verse, they probably know for God so loved the world that he gave. And at Christmas time, while Jesus Christ came into the world and the wise men gave them extravagant gifts. And at Christmas time, many of us are, are going to give according to our means. I just really felt glad of the Lord to tell you that the gift of God, the gift of salvation was for us when we were unworthy, undeserving. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I've thought about this woman at the well who was immoral, five husbands living with a man that was not her husband. 
But when Jesus spoke to her in John 4 and 10, he said, if you knew the gift of God, he didn't say, if you could get good. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who was talking to you, you would ask me living water. Acts 2.38, our apostolic verse of scripture, and Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes when I'm praying with people, I see that they are overwhelmed with condemnation. They repent and ask God to forgive them of their sins, but they get stuck right there because they feel so unworthy of salvation because whether they've committed big sins or not, they're filled with condemnation. And you try to get them out of that rut of repenting to start receiving because the Holy Ghost is a gift. I was raised in the church. I've never been a perfect person, but at eight years old, I wasn't really, you know, I didn't have a chance to be that bad. But when the Lord gave me the gift of the Holy Ghost, it wasn't because I was a church kid and at eight years old, I deserved it. It was because it was a gift then and it is now. And to the best and the worst people that come in contact with the cross of Christ, it is a gift of God. Simon the sorcerer was rebuked in Acts 8 and 20 because he thought he could buy the gift. It's the gift of eternal life that God gives us. The Bible says that on the Gentiles in Acts 10 was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Romans 5.15 on the screens, the New Living Translation. This is awkward in the King James it's a theological passage. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. He's contrasting the first Adam and the second Adam, Adam who sinned and Jesus Christ who did not. Verse 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one from man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, Cause death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and the gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. The gift of salvation changed our lives and changed our eternity. And the Bible said that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So a gift, it's very difficult to determine the value. 
by the raw materials, by the ingredients. It's really, what will the market bring? And most of us, before Christ, would be a lot like Gomer that don't deserve to be bought at all. But Jesus Christ purchased our souls by his blood on the cross, gave us the gift of eternal life. So as you go about the next few days of giving and receiving, I want you to think about the price that God paid when he became a man and laid down his life for us and shed his precious blood so that we could be saved. He must have thought a whole lot of us to be so extravagant and generous to spare no expense. That on our worst day, we were worth it to him. Let's pray. I thank you, Lord, tonight for the gift of salvation. I thank you, Lord, for knowing that on my best day, when I've done my best, maybe even I could hear well done from you, Lord, for my life, but even on my best day, I could not afford salvation. It's not good enough, separated from you by my sins, dead in my sins, Lord. But I thank you that you saw in me your image stamped on my soul. And you paid the price to give me the gift of eternal life. I pray for people in this room right now and watching online. Pray for people, Lord. They spend more time beating themselves up than they do building up themselves on their most holy faith. They keep better track of their mistakes, Lord, than they do their acts of kindness and deeds of goodness. Recognize, Lord, that without you, we are incomplete. We're insufficient. That we're only complete in Christ and our sufficiency is of God. I pray, Lord, against the self-hatred that is so prevalent in this world of people that reject themselves and feel worthless. I thank you, Lord, that you thought we were worth it. For God so loved the world that he gave. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place tonight with an assurance that you love us with an everlasting love. You've graven us in the palms of your hands, that your thoughts toward us are more than we can number. That if you paid the price of your blood on the cross, you will freely give us all things. 
But you will make sure, Lord, that the good work that you've begun in us will be completed at the day of Jesus Christ. And that you are able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life. Would you stand? And if you're able, would you gather at the altar? Tonight, I'm really not asking you to come repent or consecrate. You can do what you feel you need to do. But tonight, I want us to just come and thank the Lord for the gift of eternal life, for the gift that He purchased with His blood because He so loved that He gave.